Welcome to the Western North London podcast, where we sit down to answer your big Arsenal questions of the week. I'm Caleb. And I'm Tim. So how are you doing on this fine, wintry uh, evening? You know, I um, I don't mind being at home this week. It's kind of <laughs> nice not have to go anywhere. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's the nice part about a, a snow day, is getting to stay at home and uh, this podcast is no different but we're, we're uh trying trying a little different method this week uh we have tried this before and that was our lost episode so we'll see <laughs> if we can successfully <laughs> do it this time um you know you learn from your mistakes and uh i've made a few so that was just one more to add to the pile but uh we're gonna do it right this time yeah hopefully this one uh, actually makes it to the light of day that's right. Otherwise, we're just talking to ourselves, and that's not as much fun as it sounds. No. Um, so anyways, let's get rolling with uh, my Tim's question of the week. This is the uh, part of the show where I ask Caleb kind of a off-the-wall weird question from soccer arsenal, something around there. He doesn't know what it is, and he tries to answer off the top of his head. Uh, so this week, an article made the rounds about a Norwich fan who passed away, and in his will, he gave £100 bequeathed 100 pounds to the Norwich team to, so that they could all buy a drink, which is pretty cool. And there's pictures on social media of them all cheersing uh, the person that passed away. So, Caleb, if you could will anything to Arsenal, the Arsenal team, I guess, the current Arsenal team, what would you will? Oh, boy. Um, what would I will? So this assumes that I, it's something I already own, correct? Correct. It could be what if you may own it in the future, maybe something a little bit off the wall. But yeah, something you own, I think. Let's not get too okay. Carried away. Okay. What would I possibly own? I, I feel like there. What what could a, these millionaires need from a guy <laughs> like me? What do you give the 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 person who has everything? I know. Um, you know, it it, it would be like some sort of relaxation like maybe like a, a set of star wars dvds or you know maybe my switch or yeah. you know something <laughs> that the team could just kick back and relax and uh try to de-stress because i feel like the first half of this season was very high stress yeah and now it's um a bit more of a high pressure pressure situation as we um move into the deeper rounds in Europa League as we try to see if we can get into the top four as we uh, get deeper into the FA Cup. The pressure is going to ratchet up and all this team needs to do is figure out a way to relax. And I think that's something Arteta's brought to the team is a little bit more composure, but um, I think there's there's pressure that comes with a new manager. So I think he, as much as he tries to uh, implement his new uh, ideas. The team's going to just be under a little bit of stress from learning new stuff, a little bit of pressure from their position in the league, and so whatever I can do to help them relax. So let's let's play some games. Let's play some FIFA. They can have my Xbox too. Whatever game systems I have, they can have. Uh, we'll just spread spread that out and have this team relax a little bit. Yeah, I was thinking about this question, and I I think I would will. I got. The year after the Invincible season, my brother actually gave me a box set of, and it included a mouse pad, which tells you how long ago this was, really. But it had a mouse pad and uh, a DVD that showed uh, the kind of a recap of the un- unbeaten season. And I, I think I'd give that for, to them for inspiration to to remind them of the glory days and what Arsenal can achieve. I mean, 
about the worst part about that DVD though is that there's significant parts that have uh, have uh, Ashley Cole in it, which is always makes it a hard oh, yeah. watch. But other than that, it's a good DVD. Yeah, I you know those 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 sorts of players can just be forgotten. That's okay. <laughs> All right. Do you want to get to the questions? Let's get right into this uh, first question here, and uh, it's how much time would you give Arteta, and what would you consider a good season? Um, Tim, why don't you kick us off on that one? All right. Um, I think I would give him a lot of time. I think we gave Emery, what, like a a year and a half, almost two years? I forget the exact amount of time we gave him, but we gave him a good long chunk of time. We'll call it a season and a half. And I think Arteta needs at least as much if not more leeway. And I think one of the things we really have to kind of internalize is that this is a rebuilding project of a rebuilding project at this point that I think we need to really be patient and results like uh, last weekend's results have to be taken in context of this rebuilding. So I I would give them a, a huge chunk of time. How about yourself? I think um, the, the adage that a uh, new coach needs like three transfer windows to really make an impact on the team, um, I think that there's something to that. I think especially when the first transfer window that Arteta is getting is a January window where they're going to have very little um, uh, wiggle room as far as moving players in and out. Um, so I think we could just toss this one out. So you give him at least two summer windows and and one more January window. You know, I think between those three, if we haven't seen a big turnaround with this team, and, you know, that's not to say they won't have results in the meantime, but I think the full turnaround is really getting this team into the Champions League again. So um, once they can do that and he gets a transfer window with that level of uh, budget behind it, um, I think, that that gives us a good a, a good amount of time to assess. However, that's like assuming he can do that um, before people lose their patience. Um, I think the bar has been lowered to the point where he's going to get some time to try to figure out how to do that. So I don't think it's like he needs to do it in the next uh, season. I think it, he he has I think a three year contract. So that's I think that's a reasonable amount of time. Um, if he doesn't get Champions League right away, um, to figure out how how he can get back there in the next in the following two years, you know, I feel like he mm-hmm. um, he has at least that amount of time with that before I lose patience. Yeah, I think so, and that, I mean, that, and that pulls into the second part of this, which is what would you consider a good season for this year and maybe even next year? Well. Um, I think if you can figure out how to make this team compete from the very beginning of the season, mm-hmm. uh, who knows how next year will be. But in a, in a season like this where you have some of the big players floundering a little bit or in rebuild mode themselves, um, you know, I think that that, um, that sort of opportunity doesn't come up every season where you can kind of hang in there and, and blow a half season and still be in the mix. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, assuming 
next season they can figure out how to compete from the beginning of the season and they have an off season to learn Arteta's system and they really come out swinging. Um, I, I, I feel like they, they could easily push for the top four. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially given an off season where you, you can develop the players you have and you can bring in some new players. Um, I, I would fully expect them to be pretty competitive next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, um, competing for a couple trophies and getting at least fifth place. I mean, I think that that's going to be a challenge for even this year, but if yeah. you can get us back into that spot next year, that's, I'd be okay with that. Um, I feel like getting uh consistent Europa League, if not Champions League is important for this team mm-hmm. um, to at least try to reach to that next level. If you're not even playing in Europa League, then you're in real trouble. So um, we'll see how this season goes, but I think that's that's a must for for this team is to at least be hitting that yeah. at this point in time. Well, and, and you, you see, I, I don't know if you saw, but the, uh, I don't know how to pronounce it, the Delouette, like the, the rich cl- club uh, roster came out. And for the first time, Spurs passed Arsenal on the rich club list. And it was mainly due to them making the Champions League final. And you can see how important Champions League money is to a team's bottom line. So that is something that is, if you're consistently not making the Champions League, it means that you're consistently not, it's a, not buying the better players. It's a, a, a downward spiral that starts to happen when you stop making the Champions League or at least the Europa. And so in my opinion, I, this year I've said is a write-off. I, as, as long as we're in the top half of the season, I won't be, I rate or top half of the table. I won't be irately mad. I I can't see us making Champions League this year. I it just I think is a stretch too far. But it, a, a great season would be making fifth place and being above Spurs. Um, in the coming years, I think again I wouldn't be dis I would be disappointed if we didn't make Champions League. But I don't think it would be a horrible season if we didn't make Champions League if we were competitive. With it, something like uh, Emery's first full year, where we were just a couple points off Champions League, I think would be a good kind of foundation to build for the next year. But I think in three years, if we're not in the Champions League again, I think that's where we draw the line. Ideally, uh, what if you if if sky's the limit? I guess the um, you you'd want to be competing on all fronts. Like how far? Does that feel achievable with the team that we have, or do you feel like, uh, like, do you see this team under Arteta with the players that we have? Are they capable of of reaching for the top of the Premier League as well as Champions League as well as other cup tournaments? Um, is it, it is it possible with what we have, or is it going to take a lot of rebuilding to get to the point where we can actually compete for the Premier League again? I think part of this question we're going to answer a little bit later, but I think your initial question is, is this uh, team as it is now able to compete for the top? Uh, I don't think so. I think even given a better coach like Arteta, I don't think this squad is a functional squad. I don't think it, I think you don't have a lot of goal scorers outside of Oba. It's uh, our next leading goal scorer is Martinelli. And after that is, uh, gosh, uh, one of our midfielders who has four goals. And so 
I think that is a very frightening prospect and, and just like, it's just not competitive. Uh, I think you can see throughout the team that there's uh, just you know, players, spots that you need to improve. And when you compare our team to other teams in that conversation of top four, I don't think a lot of the team starts on any of those squads. Yeah, I was just thinking about how this um, this particular squad is is what you would expect from a team that's supposedly self uh, funding or self sustaining. Mm-hmm. Um, the real competitors out there, the teams that are breaking into every or maintaining um, multiple competitions, um, they well. I guess they have the benefit of being a Champions League, so it's kind of you can kind of propel yourself that way. But um, you know, our front office, our ownership does never has never felt like they um, are ready to spend on the level that those other teams are spending on. And until they either make Champions League and find find a way to um, make that next tier and maintain it, uh, I think that's the only way that this team ever really competes at that level. Because from a club standpoint their main goal is to make the top four. Mm-hmm. I mean, their main goal is not to win the Champions League or uh, win the Premier League because they don't spend to the level that you need to spend to do that. Um, so on a, a a budget tier top six team, this is probably the best we can expect is to be battling for fourth or fifth um, until they can reach that next tier um, and really put some some money into this team. Yeah. And, and this is straying a little bit off the, the question, but I, I do you think Arsenal's ever going to be that team um, with the Cronkies in there? Like, I, I, I just can't see us putting large amounts than the money you needed for a city or even uh, Liverpool who didn't spend this last summer, but the summer before went definitely on a spending spree. Well, if you believe today's headlines, then uh, we'll have a new owner in 2021, and it will be uh, the richest man in Africa. Oh, really? Uh, I did not hear these. Uh, who, what is this rumor? I admit, I missed this. <laughs> so his name's, um, I bl- forgive my pronunciation, but Aliko Dangote, mm-hmm. and he he is um, Africa's billionaire. Um, he's probably richer than the... Um, uh, the current ownership. Why am I blanking? Oh, Cronky. Cronkies. Gosh. Yeah, no worries. Totally left my brain there. I try and forget them <laughs> as much as possible as well. So, yeah, and I'm just blocking them out. But um, so he's Nigerian, and he has said uh, once he gets his company in order, he's his he's going to turn his attentions to purchasing Arsenal. Um, it's like his huh. life, one of his life goals. So he's going to launch a takeover bid in 2021, according to this article. So, you know, that's that's the day, you know, January 1st, 2021. That's when Arsenal start competing at the next level. As soon as he makes his purchase, we're moving up. <laughs> I don't know. There's something so depressing about that to me. I, like, I, I get it to compete <laughs> in the modern day. You have to have a, a sugar daddy. But I remember when Uzmanov was coming in and trying to take the team. And I was glad at the time that Uzmanov didn't get to take over because I don't, I, it's the romantic in me that I, I just wishes that you could just have a team, make it fine, self-financed on its own terms and not have to inject millions and upon millions in the transfer market to make it competitive. I guess that's a bygone era. 
Yeah, I think I was with you on that uh, to a point. But then as soon as they dismantled the Arsenal Trust and forced those um, uh, fan owners to give up their shares of the team, that ki- that dream kind of died because then it's like, okay, well, now you're just cheap businessmen. It's not like... <laughs> It's not like this is some organic thing that you're building with, uh, you know, this self-sustaining model and the the fans are on board and everybody is part of it. As soon as you cut the people out of it and it's just a, a business decision, then you just look cheap. And that I think that that cheapened the whole thing. Yeah. And it's funny because it is the way we are because people always point to Leicester and their miracle season. They had a couple of seasons ago where they won the Premier League or even how they're doing right now as a, this amazing thing. But when you actually look at Lester, they were owned by a uh, millionaire, unfortunately passed away, but uh, they, they were owned by a very rich Thai person. So this outside injection of cash, even at the Lester scale is happening. So I guess, as I said, it's, it's, it's the sign of the times and where soccer is going. Well, yeah. And you know, it's, it's American ownership. So, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. we're, well, the um i think people will take offense to the like uh r- rich foreign owners but it's like oh yeah americans are still foreign owners <laughs> even though there's quite a few of those in there they've been around for a bit it's it's still uh it's an international ownership group so there the organic um teams that are locally owned are few and far between yeah and the ones that are there are generally running really bad they like newcastle but <laughs> Yeah, well, the all these ownership things ebb, ebb and flow. Um, you know, I Arsenal will not be owned by this family forever. I guarantee the right uh, the right offer comes along, and they would be more than willing to sell, especially if they're not making Champions League money. So yeah. we'll see how this all plays out by twenty twenty one or beyond. Um, but the, these ownership things are temporary as long as they're just businesses to them. Yeah. And I don't, I don't sense that there's like a true, like we're Arsenal through and through. It's like, we're Arsenal for now is, is the sense I get from the Cronkies. Yeah, the Cronkies. Yeah. They're, they're definitely not, uh, steeped in the traditions of the club. Right. So, you know, it's a business decision at the end of the day for them, I'm sure. All right, for our next uh, question, friend of the pod, Justin Woody, asked, can Laka lead the line and score goals with Oba out? Yeah, we should um, talk a little bit about why <laughs> Bamiyang is not going to be around. Um, if you were able to... Did you catch the game, Tim? I did. Okay. On replay, but not because so I was not going to wake up at 4 o'clock sure. in the morning. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I've strangely become addicted to the early games because that's like the main time I can watch a, so- a soccer game without kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I relish those early mornings. Um, but, uh, we're talking about a really nasty tackle mm. that Aubameyang put on. Um, I'm forgetting which, which player had to go out for that. Was it Wilson? Wilson? I forget. I'm blanking on his name. Yeah. But, uh, it, Nonetheless, it was um, a, a rough tackle, but it was it was a striker's tackle yeah. on on a defender, and uh, 
that uh, got him a red card after VAR review, and that's uh, red that straight red card. His worth three game ban. Let me rephrase that. <laughs> it is a three game ban for Aubameyang, so um, he's out for two league games in the FA Cup match against Bournemouth. So that's it's a big impact. Well, and, you know, and I've heard other people talk about this, and I don't think it is necessarily the worst thing for Obama Yang to be out three games. He's been starting a lot of games and having a couple weeks rest, I think might not be horrible just to, I don't know, to get the most out of him for the rest of the season. As I've said before, I'm not too confident that he's going to be here next season. But if if he's going to be helping us. And if he's carrying the goal scoring load for us, it's, it's, I don't think the worst thing, especially, well, who are we playing? We're playing, uh, gosh, uh, we're playing Sheffield United and Chelsea, which actually are two really difficult games. So, but I don't, I, I think it's not horrible that he's, uh, he's, uh, going to be rested for three games. Uh, yeah, I, I can see that. I mean, I, again, Sheffield United and Chelsea are both, uh, above us in the table and, uh, are absolutely important that we take at least three of the six points, I would think. Mm -hmm. Um, the, the bottom line is that, uh, Arsenal has not been great without Aubameyang scoring Mm -hmm. for us. Yeah, um, it's been pretty uh, few and far between from the likes of Pepe, Lacazette, Nelson, Saka, whoever's playing in that front band. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your name is not Aubameyang, uh, you're not scoring for the most part. Uh, so I think it's going to be um, a challenge for that group to figure out how to score goals on a consistent basis. Uh we're pretty reliant on Obama Yang to, to see games or to win games for us, basically. Um, so Lacazette needs to step up. I think uh, the pressure's on to really show what he's made of at this point. Uh, the drought has gone on long enough. He's got to figure out how to get that goal that breaks the, the cycle here. So if he can figure it out, um, it takes a lot of the pressure off the, the wingers to fill in that that uh, scoring role because outside of Bombayang, there hasn't been a whole lot of scoring consistently from uh, our outside um, forwards. Yeah, well, and the issue with Laka, especially about these upcoming three games, two of them are away, and as we all know, Lacazette's away record isn't isn't spectacular, and so I don't know if we can just lean on Laka to, to take up in these next three games the the burden that Oba has. Yeah, I think the um, maybe the the loss of Aubameyang would open up um, just some, some room for some of these players to step into. Mm-hmm. Um, Martinelli comes to mind. Uh, Pepe could certainly step up his game as well, and I think if you can get those two guys playing um, up to their potential. And Martinelli, we don't even know what he's capable of yet. Um, mm-hmm. We've seen some great stuff from the Europa League and Carabao uh, Cup. Uh, I'm not sure if he has an FA Cup goal, um, but 
uh, in those tournaments, he's been fantastic. I think he has uh, seven or eight goals between those competitions. Eight goals, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so he's he's due to make a breakthrough at the Premier League level, um, and this is a great opportunity for him. Um, he may be a season away from being uh, his best self, but for right now, um, I think he has he has the most to gain from Aubameyang being out. Um, and I think Lacazette and Pepe just need to really fill their roles um, as the the fill-in goal scorers. I mean, I think those those guys are getting paid quite a bit, um, and this is what they're getting paid to do. Um, Pepe's had plenty of time to integrate, and he's we've seen glimmers of his best. Um, but this, if we could get him to step up in this three-game run, especially if Lacazette isn't going to, um, it's really going to be on Pepe. Uh, Ozil could step in and maybe get a goal or two, but you know we just need it to come from somewhere. Um, I'm, I'm, I don't care. I'm, <laughs> I don't care what your name is. Score for us. <laughs> I agreed. I, I mean, I'm less hopeful for uh, Ozil because he's never really been a goal scorer. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see Martinelli and, Pe- and Pepe. Both of those were the ones that popped out in my mind as needing to kind of step up or not even needing, but I almost see it as an opportunity for them to step up. I think Martinelli is definitely going to get some a run in in these three games to see what he can do. I think Pepe, even, even though he didn't score last game, he had that chance where it hit the post where he, <laughs> he almost scored. Uh, and, I think that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. I think it's going to be interesting to see if we actually pay Martinelli up top ever in kind of where Lacazette is, as opposed to play, playing off the wing. What do you think? Do you think uh, he can... Because I, if I remember correctly, most of his goals came when he was leading the line up top in the uh, Caribou Cup and the, uh, and the uh, Europa League. Do you think he can? Yeah, he scored a, a couple goals um, from set pieces. Uh, he's pretty good with his head, um, mm-hmm. and so having him up front uh, certainly gets him into more of that position uh, to finish goals. Um, so that that is a l- slightly different role than playing in from the wing, um, where he, you're doing a little bit more setup or a little bit more um, running into the box. Uh, so I think there. Being in that position definitely offers a different side of him. Uh, so I, whether he is playing from the wing or up top, I think he has a lot to offer. Um, and it just depends on uh, how Arteta sees him being utilized in this run of three games. Um, he's certainly young enough uh, to play all three. And I think uh, moving him around and seeing where he fits best is only beneficial because uh, it's clear that we need somebody that can come off the bench and score goals uh, when nobody comes back. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just need somebody that's going to uh, put pressure on the first team guys to really step their game up as well. I think that's that sort of competition is what we need up front and pretty much at all our positions. Um, we've just had so many injuries. It's been hard to have that sort of competition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that can only benefit the the team overall and that pushes players like Saka and Nelson and some of these other fringe uh younger players uh to really step their game up as well um, yeah he's fighting for minutes and there's only so many to go around 
Um, so I think every one of these young players is going to have to take this opportunity uh, without a first-team player out to take every bit of time that they can on the field and, and show what they're made of. Mm-hmm. And, well, I guess speaking of uh, trying to find a replacement for Oba's goals, how important do you think the January transfer window is for Arsenal? I have my suspicions that at most we would get one one in, one out sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can find a loan for uh, Mustafi, that would be great and get him replaced with another center back that will actually play. <laughs> um, and, you know, I... I don't want to go with an older player. I'd love to get a, a younger player in just to um, feel like we're getting some legs. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I think you're a player that, that's of a certain age usually has a little more wear and tear, and we need somebody who can go the distance at the end of the season. Uh, so uh, younger is better in my mind, but uh, maybe you're asking for an unproven player at that point. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I'd like to see what Arteta does with a uh, lesser established player that's going to buy into what he's trying to do. Um, but I, I just don't know what's out there for center backs that uh, aren't uh, over thirty at this point. Because <laughs> the the pr- player that comes to mind is Boateng, yeah, um, who they've been sniffing around. It sounds like, but um, uh, is it uh, uh, Leipzig's center back? Is it Upakamo? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of how you. Um, he's he's of the caliber of a player that you'd want to get, but I don't think that's possible in this window. Um, I don't think they're going to loan him out. Uh, they're still in Champions League, so yeah. they need him for the time being. Uh, but uh, if Arsenal can get a bid in there in the summer, that makes more sense to me uh, than dumping a bunch of money into somebody right now that doesn't fit that profile. Yeah, and I... I... I think it's interesting this transfer window because I I think how important is the January transfer window isn't going to be as important because I don't think we're going to do anything in the January transfer window. I, I, I can't see us unless something radically changes and I could be completely wrong and we'll sign something huge. I just can't see us actually making huge moves. I can see us making some loan moves. I think that's where, unfortunately, where we're at as far as the budget goes. And also just uh, the future considerations that we do have, and I'm a horrible person for getting his name, the uh, the French player that we bought and then instantly loaned back to Saint-Antienne in the French League, who's coming in next. Oh, Saliba. Saliba, yes. Uh, we have him coming in next, uh, next year, so I can't imagine us going through and, I don't know, stocking up on defenders. I think there's some... There's a shelf life to Louise and uh, Socrates at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, either one of them could be a great third or fourth rotational back. But I think the goal now is to start building for the future a bit more, to pair Saliba with Holding or somebody at that age. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's the that's the new profile we'd be we should be looking at for the back line, um, especially with Tierney and, and Bellerin. I think youth is is. It's it's time for uh, a youth rebellion in the back here. So I think they need to um, really think about that younger profile because we've seen, um, you know, Koscielny, Socrates, Louise. There's 
a lack of speed uh, for the most part. Um, and it, we just we need to get this team's median age down a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think, and that back line is is usually the the older crowd. It seems like for our team. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, but and that again strengthens the idea that we're not going to be going for a permanent defender. I don't think in the the window. That's why the boat the boating rumors make sense. I don't know if it's going to happen, uh, but they they make sense in that we just need a temp. We just need someone who can play. And obviously, uh, Mustafi was given his chance, and he did the opposite of take that chance. He played exactly how he played. <laughs> Uh, earlier in the season. So I think we just need to plug someone in as a depth center back. Um, I also think we need, we do need someone in the midfield, a score, a more offensive midfielder, someone in there to add depth and maybe a couple goals in the midfield, which we haven't been getting. I don't know who that is. Again, I haven't seen any, that's the weird things. I have not seen any, credible links or any, any strong rumors which makes me think we're not going to do much in this window yeah i mean there's a um the other rumor that was coming out today was going out and getting uh john stones from man city on loan mm. um he's 25 so he fits the profile of what we should be looking at um but you know whether man city is willing to let somebody go I mean, I think he's played 10 games for them or some, some ridiculously low number. Yeah. Uh, so he's looking for that sort of, of profile over Boateng to me makes more sense. Um, especially, uh, as we're charging for the end of the season, uh, somebody like that would be preferable to me. Yeah. Um, but we'll see. It just depends on, on lo- what, what they're willing to loan out or, I don't think it's going to be a sale. Yeah, and I, I think, unfortunately, with how we acquired Arteta, I don't think Man City is really going to want to be doing us a lot of favors. I I know that they were upset with Arteta, so he may Arteta still may have some connections there, and they may still be feeling a little friendly, but I, I have a feeling that Man City is going to be driving a hard bargain for anything we do with them for a while. Yeah. Uh, we'll see if they hold the grudge or if, you know, the right, right amount of money for a player they're not using would, would sway them. I don't know if Arsenal are, are ready to throw a bunch of money at a loan, but you never know. Um, the other, the other thing I saw today that looked interesting was, uh, um, like I, I, all these, all these names, I'm really <laughs> worried. I'm just totally brut- brutally, um, mispronouncing, but, yeah. uh, Bruno Guimaraes. Oh yeah. Let's see if that's. Uh, Brazilian def- deep mid. Um, that's somebody our Arsenal is rumored to be connected with. Um, but uh, again, it seems like uh, at 22 years old, uh, loan with option to buy would be best case scenario, I think, for Arsenal. Um, that's uh, what I think we are. Um, our team is probably looking for right now is that that sort of loan with the option in the summer to make that that transaction um i don't know what's going to happen with uh the likes of uh um blanking on names again jesus is bad tonight <laughs> uh, current loney on our team from real madrid oh uh, sabalos 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 gosh 
Yep, it's it's it wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't close to that one. Um, Ceballos. So you know that sort of uh, profile player is probably what we're looking for. Is you know somebody we can potentially buy down the road, but I don't see any purchases happening uh, without a loan up front at this point. Yeah, and uh, just moving up, and we t- touched on this briefly in the previous question. But do you think there's any uh, room? For a striker or anything, any kind of offensive player coming into the team? I'd be shocked. I really would. Um, they made a lot of signings over the summer that I was pretty surprised about. Um, but I don't think that they have a ton of extra funds in the war chest for uh, any sort of signing of that, that type. Um, at least not anybody too exciting. Uh, if we needed depth there, um, maybe a young player that... Um, I, I haven't heard any any rumors, but you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's if if Arteta can get more players that he thinks are gonna benefit uh, benefit us in the long run and really buy into his system, uh, I'm all for going for some youth and and trying to build that way. Mm-hmm. Not splash a bunch of cash on on proven players that may be on the decline. So um, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah, and that being said, with how how we're looking at this January transfer window, and again, I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, but do you think they can make a push without any major reinforcements? Yeah, I think they can. Um, the 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 proof we we've been really seeing a resurgence of Jaka and Louise mm-hmm. and. Pretty much every player that was on the field has some some improvement that they've made uh, since Arteta started it, and I think that part of that is just really uh, instilling a system uh, into these players that that brings out their best qualities uh, and and doesn't put them into positions that really they aren't equipped to, to handle. I think mm-hmm. a lot of what made Jaka look bad was the uh, the system that kind of left him alone. Um, and pushed uh, Torreira up too high, mm-hmm. so where there wasn't enough coverage, uh, Jaka was having to cover half the field or be a shield in front of the back line. Uh, that re- he really wasn't mobile enough and tactically efficient enough to handle. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not to say that he can't be a great player. That just isn't his game. And I think Emery just steered that whole midfield situation wrong. Um, but play as we see these uh, little issues get sorted out. I think a lot of these individual players are going to step up their their level of of play, and it's not to say we don't need new new players to come in. But if we had to push on with the the team that we had, I think a lot of these players are coming coming out like new signings because they are playing so different compared to what they were playing the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I do think it comes down to Arteta's kind of just solidifying the team so that they, they know their roles and they're protecting each other. And you talk about Xhaka, and, and Xhaka's had a complete transfer transformation. You also think about the defense, like both Socrates and Louise have had a, an amazing step up in form. And it's it's because they're not being exposed. The, the, the whole defensive shell isn't just getting players running at them and players not knowing what they're doing. And so that they're able to be calm and composed even when the other team has the ball. 
So that that gives me a lot of hope for encouragement that even without re- reinforcements, because we've mentioned this before, I think we talked about it a little bit the last episode of the episode before, that these these players aren't bad players. When you look at Arsenal on paper, it's it's not a 10th place Premier League team. I truly don't believe that. It's just been players underperforming in a system that hasn't worked. And I think we're changing both of those currently. Yeah, I think the minor tweaks that have been made um, have done wonders. And I think as Arteta gets more training with the team, um, we'll see bigger changes, and especially as personnel kind of um, shift over time, we'll definitely see the benefit of those changes. But um, I think with the team we have right now, we can certainly make a push um, as long as the injuries stay to a minimum. Um, That's been the tough part right now Mm -hmm. uh, as we've been depleted in in the back line. And uh, we've, we've seen a lot of these players come back uh, from long-term injuries and not quite played up to their potential. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thinking of uh, Bellerin or Holding, uh, those are players that um, could still see uh, returns later in the season as they get back to fitness and um, get a little bit sharper on the field. They could essentially act as reinforcements for us. Um, and Tierney as well. We haven't really gotten to see the best of him yet. Um, so mm-hmm. hopefully in March, once he gets back from his uh, dislocated shoulder uh, injury, then we can see a little bit more from him. And uh, again, that's like having a new signing because we just haven't really seen him that much this year. Gosh, I, I just got flashbacks when you said that to Arsene Wenger because I was a Arsene Wenger staple when you would say getting back an injury player is like getting a new signing. I can't remember how many times he said that. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And a lot of times it's it's true um, when you have a player who already knows the system and can jump back in, and um, that's almost better than a new signing mm-hmm. in some ways. Because there's less... Uh, They've been around the team. There's no acclimation. They know the, the routine. They know... I mean, somewhat for um, uh, Tierney, it's going to be uh, a whole... You know he's going to be starting from scratch uh, mm-hmm. with Arteta, really. So um, he he might be a little bit behind, but uh, he didn't he wasn't around that much for the Emery era. So <laughs> luckily he's kind of a blank slate. So I think we'll see some quick improvement from his position as well. So there's a lot um, a lot to be gained with these players coming back uh, to full fitness, um, especially them being for the most part, young players that can um, really benefit from what Arteta's brought to the, the team so far. Yeah. Um, so there's one more uh, segment I'd like to add to this week, and uh, I'm calling it Start Bench Drop. I like and, this. Uh, it's, bas- it's basically quick hits. Uh, we're just going to – you're just going to say whether you're going to you, – you, we'll call Start, Love It, Bench, don't care, drop, hate it. So I'm just going to throw out some some things here, and you tell me, start, bench, or drop. Great. All right. Are you going to this? Yeah. Are you going to go? Are you going to say yours too, or are you just going to quick fire with my me? What's it? How does this work? Uh, let's. I, I will get your quick quick reactions mm-hmm. for the first run here, and then we can go back and talk about them a little bit, and I will tell you what I 
would do. All right. All right. So let's. We're just gonna go go down the list, and you just you just blurt out whatever comes comes to mind here. All right. Okay. Number one, David Louise as a defender. Bench. Start pencher drop. Bench. Bench. Don't care. Not great. Okay. Number two, David Louise as a passer. Start. Start pencher drop. Sorry, I should uh... start. I'm, I'm I'm talking over you. We're just getting the hang of this. Yeah, it's yeah. all new. We're figuring it out. All right. Uh, Dava Louise as a free kick taker. I'm going to go drop. Drop. No bueno. Okay. Uh, VAR in the Premier League. Start bench or drop. I'm going to say drop, transfer, get rid of. <laughs> Worse than drop. Oh, all together. Okay, we'll come back to that one. Uh Arsenal's tactical fouling so far. Start. All right. And last but not least, deflected goals. <laughs> Start venture drop. Uh in general or or just against yeah, Arsenal? Yeah, whether it's for us or against us, is it total slop and should be abo- abolished from the game? <laughs> I'm or say- is it is it joy when you make those goals? Oof, I'm gonna go bench. Bench. All right. Goal's a goal. All right. That was good. I liked it. Uh, so let's go back. David Luiz. Is he a better defender, a passer, a free kick taker? I think you said uh, passer was the best. Oh, yeah. I mean, we saw that in the last game. I was, I've was i been talking about David Luiz as a passer since we first started this podcast. I think his passing is amazing and is world-class and is what makes him the, the better center back that he is the better player that he is is his passing is what brings something extra to the team okay i'm gonna throw something else at at you you can start bench or drop this david louise as a potential defensive midfielder Ooh, i've never even thought about that you could hear by that woo um <laughs> i don't think he has the legs to last as a potential defensive midfielder Cause it, it, what, what if he what if he just shielded the back line, never never crossed the midfield, just always was dumping passes from that line? I could see that. I could. I and it's funny because uh, Pep Guardiola does this all the time, but uh, so I could totally one hundred percent see that where he change where he or uh, Pep Guardiola changes players' positions and Arteta is of the school of Pep Guardiola. Uh. Yeah, I could see that. I would, I, I, I would let him be a sub for that. Like, I, it would be an interesting experiment. <laughs> what about? I think you? it would be like we would bring in like he would play most of the game for, as a center back, and then at some point we'd bring in another center back to push him up, mm-hmm. uh, just for like the last twenty, thirty minutes or so, just to kind of as. Uh, um, occasionally, you'd see Roman Torres come forward yeah. on the Sounders. And definitely, and, um, and why I had drop for free kick takers, not that I don't think Luis has a good free kick. I just think that we have so much better free kick takers on our team. Yeah, he just bombs it over the goal a yeah. little too often. If he was a little more goal threatening, I'd say put him in there just as a change of pace. Because, um, you know, as long as he's just blasting it over, uh, nobody takes him too seriously. It's like you need that that second or third player that's standing by the ball to actually be threatening. Or yes. else it's just like uh, he's just gonna he's just gonna blow this. He's not gonna do anything from there. Um, 
Arsenal's tactical fouling, I want to go back to this because I think it's a big part of Arteta's mm-hmm. uh, philosophy. And you see Aubameyang make a tackle like he did, and I think that is definitely a product of having the strikers put a little more pressure mm-hmm. on the other team to try to cause turnovers. We see Lacazette scoring or not scoring. <laughs> no, not, not scoring. scoring. What am I talking about? <laughs> uh, not even a Freudian slip. I don't know what you'd call that. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, amount of fouls he had in the game, I think he had about seven or eight fouls. Yeah. And try- he, he's never been a great, great at trying to get turnovers anyway. Uh, sometimes he is, but for the most part, he tends to commit that from that foul that comes through the player because he's chasing, chasing back a little too much instead of getting in front of the ball. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it, maybe our our front line isn't equipped to do the tactical foul. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, well, I, I, what, what do you think so far? I I think with the front line, it's a learning curve, and obviously, like that foul with Aubameyang was a horrible foul. And I, and I, I having seen so many of our players hurt by horrible fouls, like I, I have. I'm not trying to say that it's a good thing, but I think the idea behind that is a good thing. I think seeing our players willing to just stand up and get dug in a little bit, I think is a good thing. I think you I mean, you see it with Man City every single game. You see it with uh, Liverpool every single game that they're willing to take these fouls that, and, and gosh, I'm forgetting the game, but it was, I think the Freddie's last game in charge where one of the goals could have just been easily stopped if Xhaka just tactically fouled the player. And I think having that open and doing that is is not a horrible, horrible thing. Yeah, I think it's a needed part of the game. Um, and we've been pretty bad at it over the years. Um, or I shouldn't say over the years. I think hmm. it's specifically in the Emory mm-hmm. era. Uh, they were giving away fouls in the wrong positions. Um, and just constantly caught out of position. So it was less of a tactical foul and more of a desperation foul. And there is a difference there. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, when you're just trying to cover yourself because you screwed up and were out of position and you had to chase back and make a foul to protect yourself, that's a big difference than stopping a guy at midfield so that your player and your t- your team can get back um, and set up properly. There, that That is... There's a... T- there's, doing a foul for the good of the team and doing a foul for the good of yourself. And I think there was a lot more of it happening for the, the individual players during Emery's reign. And to, to get a little off topic and I apologize, but there's a great article. It's not that off topic, but there's a great article in the guardian today online that was about the history of the tactical foul. And it was talking about, uh, it, it was in reference to, there was a Spanish game and guy made a tactical foul, got a red card and, but still won the game because of the tactical foul. But originally the first tactical or not the first tactical foul, but the first tactical foul that was talked about was Arsenal versus uh, West Ham. And I should have made a note of the Arsenal player that did this was West Ham in the FA cup in the seventies. And he just did the first tactical foul as the player was running towards goal, took him out, didn't even get a yellow card at the time. And then afterwards they made a whole discussion about like, the the idea of giving a red card to a uh, on on goal scoring opportunity. So I thought it was an interesting. Take a look at it on uh, Guardian Online. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, yeah, I take for granted that it's always been 
uh, part of the game, but I guess it, at some point uh, it was deemed uh, ungentlemanly to yeah, do that sort of foul. Exactly. Anything else that we want to talk about this week? I think we, we just about covered everything in the Arsenal world. I want to give one quick shout out, as I always like to do, of, to the Arsenal women who won yet again a 4 nothing win, um, are leading the table. It's a tight table, but one of the great things about the, the, the ladies is that they're winning by so many goals that they're just piling on the goal differential. So when it, get, when it gets, as it is still now tight, they're just uh, going to be on top with the goal differential. So it's it's... Again, if you're getting depressed about Arsenal and where we are at 10th in the table, just take a look over to the uh, the ladies' team and uh, see how wonderful they're doing. Yeah, and it's it, one thing I noticed uh, with the um, NWSL as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The pipeline for um, top level women's players is is pretty small, so there's a lot of exchange be- going on between the um, English women's league and the NWSL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really interesting to see a lot of these top level players, uh, bouncing between leagues now. And, uh, it's, it's, it's fun to watch. And I think, uh, it would be great if even MLS and got to that level, uh, where the top players were bouncing in and out of the league. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's, that's something to aspire to. And the women are really, um, just because it's a, a, a small, um, operation at this point between the two two leagues but yeah uh, I, it'd be great to see a lot of these uh leagues expand and more and more uh top level women get to go play all over the world yeah definitely uh anyway i think that's it for this week um let's give our uh our thank yous out uh Vise for giving us the chance to put their music on our podcast uh, go check out Light Lost, their album from last year. And uh, um, who else do we think? Oh, yeah. Thank you for listening. <laughs> um, because without you, we don't have anybody to talk to. And like I said, it's not fun to talk to ourselves. We'd rather be talking to you and talking about your questions. So if you have one, uh, you can always send it to us at westofnorthlondon at gmail.com. Or we are um, at W of N London on Twitter. You can find us there. Uh, follow us for my ramblings during Arsenal games. <laughs> uh, we'll update you when we put out new episodes. And we'll ask you for your questions every week. Uh, because without you, we could not make a good podcast. So uh, send us your thoughts. And um, yeah, just keep sending us your questions. Yep. And we'll keep giving you our mediocre answers. See you at the next gun show. Thank you.